I'm Robert Fenner. And I'm Alva Chua. And you are listening to Misanthroplay, East London's favorite video games podcast for people who hate video games. We hate them here. We're back. It's been a little while. It sure has. Um, uh, some of us have been busy, but we are dedicated to bringing you new content and uh, keeping, you know, keeping up with uh, getting more of our hot takes on video games out to you. Yeah, you did a performance. Uh, I did. Uh, we were. It, it wasn't quite Misanthropy live, but uh, <laughs> you know, we're we're uh, we're we're branching out a little, using exercising some of our other talents. Yeah. So that was uh, that was very cool. Mm. Uh, so what's new, Alva? Uh, well. Uh, I've been playing video games in the the meantime, in between doing other things. Uh, like I said, between the live performance, most of my gaming has uh, come in portable form. So um, it's great having a Switch now. I love the Switch even more because it's there for those stolen moments when you're, um, well, when you're about to fall asleep sometimes or uh, when you're on the tube or, uh, you know, you have a break at work or your train is cancelled. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Rob? Uh, I've been working on some writing projects here and there, so I've been pretty busy with that. Um, tried to sneak in some game time where I can, uh, but uh, I think uh, I think I will have more time in the coming weeks. So this probably isn't the best time to catch me, but I do have some things to talk about today. Um, I still haven't gotten a case for my Switch, so I can't take it out. I'm going to need to do that, but I have been playing some Xenoblade Chronicles 2 in bed. And boy, is that a joy! And it's like it's like a technical marvel in my hands. I know a lot of people are complaining about the way that game looks in handheld mode. Hmm. I don't see any problem at all. I mean, yeah, at, at that size, I don't really. It, it doesn't really bug me. No, um, and just like having a massive game like Xenoblade, that's you know, it's not compromised like that new 3DS game was. Mm -hmm. So it's it's nice to be able to I don't know take that take that into the other room with me. Oh, for sure. To. Uh, I mean, the uh, the scale of the environments is what counts in that game, yeah. and they are still in full effect when you have it on handheld. Mm -hmm. um, just uh, uh, if it's okay for me to drop a hint to the listeners, um, you mentioned your writing project. Uh, fans of uh, the show who've enjoyed our previous episodes, I think we'll get a big kick out of what uh, Rob's working on. Uh, so we hope that uh, we'll have more to tell you in future. If it's a thing, uh, you'll enjoy. If it's not a thing... Then uh, forget we said anything. Okay. All right. so maybe, maybe you want to cut that out then. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> According to my list of games today, it looks like we're going to be talking about um, Dilbert in Charge, Mary's Bum Garden, and Chicken Willie's Fart Pouch. Oh, wow. Um, which tells me that Justina got her hands on my notebook. <laughs> I uh, mean, like, you know, who's Bum Garden? <laughs> Mary. Okay. Well, you know, she has the best Bum Garden. It's like... Um, Marcy Playground? Okay. Maybe. I, I, I'm unfamiliar. <laughs> <laughs> it's better that way. Hmm. Uh, but um, I'll throw to you first, Alva. Alva, what, uh, what have you been playing? Well, uh, just this morning, uh, finally had a bit of home console time, sat myself down to play something I've been looking forward to for a while, and that is the uh, remake of Shadow of the Colossus. Shackhall. Shackle? <laughs> I thought it was Sotk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, or Shackle, as, it, as it's known in Japan. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, yes. I don't know if... I don't think that's true, but don't write in, folks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Shadow of the Colossus. Um, you've probably heard us talk about uh, T. Maiko's games on this podcast before. Uh, me and Rob are... I mean, it's not like... The, it's not a controversial division or anything. I think... 
we have varying opinions on Shadow of the Colossus. You really like them, and I think they're, like, impressive, but okay. Yeah, I mean... I, no, I think they're outstanding, but also I'm just not super into them. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe you don't find them enjoyable, which is, like, you know, fair for any t- kind of game. And I remember yeah, having a... But a... I think Shadow of Colossus is my favorite of what I've played. Okay, all right. Um, I, I couldn't quite remember. I just remember, like... I think I was getting kind of worked up about it. So so let's not go into our differences of opinion there. Um, what I am going to talk about, however, is how this game looks versus the original. So I haven't got very far just to the first Colossus. Although if you think about the aesthetic and style of that game, it is very much defined by that first Colossus fight. I mean, you know, it's... It, that's kind of what the game is. I mean, it takes you to many other places, but you can sort of see the visuals style um, laid down there. And the reason this game is a remake instead of a remaster, because we got a remaster last generation on the PS3. We did, which was very, very good. Uh, it was, indeed. Uh, is that in increasing the revolution, sorry, the, the resolution to 4K, adding like all of these new visual effects, they've added this need to sort of reinvent the art style, which is something that you see in uh, certain other remakes. For instance, um, I mean, you saw it as far back as Twin Snakes from uh, Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation. Or um, a bit after that, uh, you had Halo Classic Edition after the original Halo on Xbox. And in all of these cases, you can't just upscale the art because then what you get is uh, very high res but uh, very like simple blocky textures and these simple blocky textures they work fine on a lower res like old crt but when you bring them into really high high def and uh, make the polygons really sharp maybe they look a bit incongruous mm. so it yeah it, it depends it, i kind of like that old look i like to have the option to switch between Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I do Obviously, too. Obviously, that wouldn't be possible here because this is like made from the ground up. Yep, they, they, they basically recreated all the models, all the geometry. So the colossi, the uh, scenery, it all looks a bit different. And I'm undecided on how I feel about this new style. I mean, like, let me just make it clear, though. I'm not one of those crazies who thinks that, oh, we should keep it at a lower FPS to make it more cinematic. Uh, I wish it was at 10 FPS, like that PS2 game. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I can see, you know, different frame rates might have a different effect. I, I, I'll even give some people the argument for a solid 30 over like other frame rates. But the frame rate, even in the PS3 remake, could come, sometimes be inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I mean, because this one's taxing the system more, even now it's not like a solid frame rate. But, but it's uh, improved and with the control still like kind of like the, got the weird awkward controls but that's more because of the control scheme than you know any sort of like technical issue with the game but yeah the way the way everything looks now it looks a lot more naturalistic and i am kind of like i see the improvements but the style is just different now. Like, uh, like I remember a very distinct thing is that at times in the original game, things like um, the faces of characters, they're like these whited out outlines, you know, uh, aggro, the horse. It sometimes just looks like a shadow moving on the landscape. And now, you know, aggro is like a black horse, 
you know, sometimes so black as to appear like a shadow, but really, when you look closely, a black horse. There's a very different sort of like stylistic impact mm -hmm. from a lot of those moments. Um, I think the way light is used in Team Ico games uh, has a lot of impact. You know, you get the like very distinct shafts of light cutting through things. Sunlight. Your, your glowing sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you still have the glowing sword, but, but things like the way the landscape would be lit up by sun through the clouds, that sort of thing. It's very, um, it felt very stark and very beautiful mm -hmm. in that game in particular. Yeah, it, it really did. And it's, it's such an otherworldliness that comes across through their use of light. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I haven't played Last Guardian, but I very much felt that way about um, Ico. I actually felt that Last Guardian kept that feel pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think, I mean, possibly because that's, you know, built on assets that have been around for, well, you know, probably since not long after Colossus was finished. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, but in this case, the whole refiguring of the world gives it a different feel. Like, for a start, the like monolithic look of the, the architecture things look more detailed now which is which takes away that that sort of like you know massive and ancient kind of feeling in a way and and i've yet to explore further into the game but at the moment i'm thinking like this feels more like they've reinvented the world mm. and so I'll, you feel a little, a little wistful about that perhaps. i yeah at the moment i do and like you know it remains to be seen about those how those moments uh like seeing the first colossus Seeing the first Colossus in this game is an impact, and it's a new impact because it's happening at a different fidelity, mm -hmm. but something of the design is lost. So it's a double-edged sword here. On the one hand, yeah. I'm on the one hand, it's definitely more fun to play and engage with on the mechanical level because it just works better. Um, and also, I have the other bonus of like these the, the impressive moments are kind of fresh to me now so it's like i'm impressed all over again at the scale of things but yeah but something about the mood and style has changed hmm. you know it remains to be seen how how that will play out over the length of the whole game but uh i'm not convinced that the style change is a good thing i, I almost wish that there was a a PS4 version of, of the last gen remaster that just ran like really solidly mm -hmm. and i think i've heard of people doing something similar on emulation but i don't know how complete that emulation is mm -hmm. uh in any case uh if you haven't played it uh you might not feel this of like you know the the change in tone so i i highly recommend this game for someone who's interested in team Ico's work it's it's more approachable and a friendlier game than the last guardian was yeah. so last uh, guardian seemed kind of rough hmm yeah although it, it's 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 a tricky thing because, like you know, I I had moments from that game that arose from the roughness of it, yeah. and I do want to go back to it now after playing more of this remake. Uh, so I think I'll finish the Last Guardian soon. I hope, mm -hmm. but um, but yeah, um, definitely it's interesting. So this this remake is an interesting proposition for fans of the original, and uh, if you haven't played the original and this is your only way to do so, it's like definitely worth taking a look at. I I might fire up that PS3. Um release mm -hmm. pretty soon um yeah i will have to check back in on this one and see how your feelings towards it develop as you play more of it i'd be interested to hear um that's that's, that's an interesting take that maybe this uh, redesign isn't isn't all that it's cracked up to be uh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm by no means saying it's a bad thing it's yeah. just like kind of like it's just that like maybe a little something was lost yeah i mean like i'm very much more for like 
archiving than I am for remakes. Hmm. And um, I don't know. Like, I think the Final Fantasy VII remake makes far less sense than than this does. But you think? Yeah. I mean, hmm. That game is so 1997. That game is it's so 90s anime in the wake of Evangelion. Um, oh and, sure, yeah. And those anxieties and um, like if you're keeping it the same, it doesn't work. And if you're changing it dramatically, then what is it? That that is true. Yeah, I think I'm with you on the what is it. I just I guess I in my my take on that is I don't mind seeing them attempt to make a new game close to that style it'd be nice if they just made a new game yeah it would be nice but 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 they're 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 that's 80 percent of what they're doing i think yeah. it's like yeah i think it's mostly going to be a new game um or and if it isn't then i'll be really disappointed and it, the whole thing just seems silly but far far be it from square to not undertake a massive project that turns out to be a disaster. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly so i guess i guess we'll have to see on that oh, something about that that remake I have in mind I've just oh that's it although I think uh, unfortunately what what doesn't bode well for the possibility of a Final Fantasy 7 remake is looking at, at something like Advent Children which mm. uh, if you think about it that's already an attempt to kind of like you know bring forward elements of that style and aesthetic into a a more at the time more current incarnation and i don't think that went well at all i think advent children fucking sucks yeah yeah no, no i that, that's what i mean <laughs> some of the most ridiculous cinema i've ever been witness to yeah and uh if that's the way they're bringing final fantasy you know into a modern era yeah but like uh i don't know we won't spend too much time on it mm. <laughs> Advent Children, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> let's not and say we did. Mm -hmm. I've been playing Romancing Saga 2. Uh -huh, um, speaking of uh, older Japanese RPGs. In fact, I haven't really been playing it. I think I'm done with playing it. Well, that means you must have played a lot of it to I get there. I played a whole bunch of it, mm -hmm. and I had a pretty damn good time. Uh, and now um, I've, I've gotten to a stage where I don't know how much more I can do. Mm -hmm. um, which is unfortunate, because I haven't beaten all of the seven heroes. Um so this is uh this is a game in Akatoshi Kawazu's long-running saga series of um like a sister series to Final Fantasy where the mechanics are uh obtuse and unexplained and you venture around a JRPG styled open world. Mm -hmm. Uh and in uh, Romancing Saga 2 you are the biggest class enemy. You are a lineage of empires trying to expand your borders. Um so your goals are to go around and either take territories by force or lend a helping hand so um, the r respective rulers feel guilty and turn over the turn, turn over the keys to their kingdom to you. Uh, so is it one of those games where ostensibly you're the bad guy, but they don't have the guts to make you actually play the bad guy? Yeah. Oh, darn. I hate those. You like... can kind <laughs> of be a bad guy in some parts, but yeah. it's, it's never commented upon. Okay. Um, so, like, um, the only way to get black magic in this game is mm. to... Um, you go to an island where a volcano is going to erupt and you can just say see you later and walk away and okay. then like when when this community of salamanders who lives at the base of this volcano get turned into ash hmm. you can go and and get like their their grudge which is uh uh um, this spirit of of black magic which you can then take to your magic university and make some evil spells oh other the ashes of, of salamanders yeah oh. <laughs> um I had a pretty good time with this. Uh, 
You've played a little bit of this as well, haven't I you? I have, yeah. I got, it, I got it around Christmas. Yeah. What was your experience like? I know you haven't put much time into it. Uh, I put very little time into it, partly because I, I did exactly what you told me not to do, which is play without first reading a, ma- a guide or a manual. Yeah, and this game doesn't come with a manual. No, it doesn't. What the hell? Yeah. I mean, That's there, a bad move. Yeah, there are other Switch games that come with uh, like digital manuals, mm-hmm. so why doesn't this one? Uh, the um, the Vita version came with a manual, which was um, twelve pages of um, legal agreements, and then the thirteenth page just said "Romancing Saga 2 and said like how to move around town, use a directional pad, and that was it. Moving around town is not the complicated part of this game. No, yeah. it's really not. Um, so if you've played a saga game, you will know that, um, or if you've played Final Fantasy two, J. Kawazu's got this idea where the more that you use skills, the more your stats related to those skills will level up. So mm-hmm. you don't have levels in the traditional sense. Like you uh, fight a lot with a sword to raise your affinity with that. Uh, Romancing Saga 2 in particular introduced the sparking of skills where you learn new uh, skills for individual weapons uh, in combat. And there's like a mix of proficiency and random number uh, that go into that. Sometimes it's frustratingly random. Hmm. So sometimes like you'll... I don't know, for example, like, I learned a bunch of skills, and then I died, and it was one of these rare unsigned-posted boss battles that, instead of, you know, sending you to the next generation, just ends your game and sends you back to the title screen. Oh, what? (laughs) There's, like, two or three bosses in there that do that. Oh, no. For no reason. Um and uh then like i so i lost a whole bunch of skills that i learned and then like the random number generator just wouldn't let me learn them again so oh <laughs> um it's uh, it's yeah. a bit rough yeah I'm and this is one of the I more accessible that. games yeah. in the series hmm. um, but yeah so there's these seven heroes they're like a jrpg party except they're big bad monsters mm. and they're coming to kill you the emperor uh so you um spend several thousand years um, completing quests, bringing more territory into your empire, which in turn gives you more money, um, and uh, you know, becoming stronger and stronger to take on these seven heroes and defeat them for once. You, and, you know, this sounds all. a bit like. Sorry uh, to in, in, interrupt there. So it reminds me a bit of like some of the Fable games. I thought happened. you were going to say that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like Fable three, huh? Yeah, yeah. They have that sort of like you know, building up finances to to face the big bad mm. kind of thing. I mean, this could well have been an inspiration. Mm, yeah i I wonder Hmm. i wonder so the thing about saga and one of the things that they don't tell you is that um your stats are also tied to like there's this hidden hidden number called the global rank where monsters level up with you so um but like certain bosses are always at a set level um and then others scale with you and then just monsters in the world scale with you so like if you go grinding you're gonna have a bad time um I might have just completely screwed myself. I'm not sure. Um, mm. This remake adds a bonus dungeon called the Maze of Memory, where um, you can. What I heard was you could go there to grind, and the battles that you fought there wouldn't count against the global the global number. Um, I don't think that's the case uh, because after a few go arounds building up my guys in the Maze of Memory, um, now in every dungeon I go to, just about every random encounter is a boss battle um and i just i've just run out of patience so everything's scaled up because you were grinding oh yeah okay oh yeah (laughs) yeah so like if i can make it to a boss i'm usually okay Hmm. but i can't 
really make it a lot of the time so i've only beaten three of the seven heroes and i think i'm ready to just check out mm-hmm. <laughs> but i've had a really good time yeah it sounds like one of those things like where because i do like like uh you know specifically jrpgs or like like more japanese like strategy rpgs where you can break the game essentially mm-hmm. uh, although they don't usually carry the risk of breaking the game in a way that antagonizes you which yeah. is, sounds like what's happened here I think so. Yeah. I mean, this isn't like a Final Fantasy Tactics where you can make broken characters, which is, you know, which are fun to steamroller, steamroller, steamroll over the opposition with. Yeah, you really can't in this Hmm. game. So, uh, yeah, so I got a bunch of guys. I think I'm just going to leave those seven heroes alone, the four four remaining ones. So. Okay, wow. That's not even halfway. Yeah, it's it's mm. not, <laughs> but it, hey, it's been real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, the like, the fun you've had was exploring these systems and like finding out what worked and didn't work. And uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, with these kind of like systems based RPGs, that's you know that's the meat of why you're playing the game. Mm. So it's not like wasted time. And I think Romancing Saga Three is the better game. Apparently, that's getting a port and a localization later this year, okay. or possibly early next year. Mm. That's a game that I have beaten. So that is uh, a tenable task. Is it similar mechanically? Uh, similar, but more streamlined. Hmm. Um, and there's more interesting characters and quests. Okay. You can recruit a lobster named Boston. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I do like lobsters. Yeah. I've never been to Boston, but I hear they have lobsters. <laughs> yeah. And there's, uh, there's, a, there's this Zorro lookalike in that game called Robin. But there's, like, there's two Zoros, and like they're... There's two Robins, and they're um, trading off their duties of, like, who's going to be the mass crime fighter, except, like, one of them is obese. So, like, you know, you'll send Robin away, and then you go back, and, like, the obese Robin joins, and he pretends to be the other one. And they're, they're both, they both got high skills. Hmm. It's, it's, it's cute. Yeah, it sounds like a fun bit of uh, JRPG slapstick. Yeah. Uh, well, that was a lot of um, unfocused rambling about a game I haven't played for a couple of weeks. Oh, you, I know. It sounds like you filled in what I've been missing by not playing it. Yeah. Um, I'd say you should play it, but it's... Hmm. Yeah, I, I, well, I it's mean, one... You, you own it, so... Uh, I do. It's it a, Yes, it's uh, one of those things with the amount of uh, games I have on my plate already. I mean, Xenogears 2... Sorry, Xeno, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 that you mentioned earlier, I think is ahead of other jrpgs in my queue in Uh terms of like you know what i'm gonna play so that might be might be the next thing i get to with regard to that um but uh what i have actually been playing on the switch is uh well uh, uh, quite a few things because as i said it's been my portable game system serving in that capacity recently and i put some time into celeste Hmm which uh some of our uh, listeners have expressed an interest in mm-hmm. and um i haven't played it yet so we can't do an in-depth episode but we, mm. we will eventually folks yeah i think this is a game that will probably deserve uh like a more focused exploration for a start the writing's really intriguing i don't know if you've heard the uh, people heard, talk yeah, about this it's what i'm like, excited about it's it's not sort of like dense with writing by any means like you know it's it's a few lines here and there you meet characters um it is yeah, more writing than you'd expect from a game that's a skill-based platformer. But the tone is very interestingly measured. You're uh, a woman called... I forget, I forget her name now. Marianne, um, possibly? Um, it's not Celeste. It's Celeste not Celeste. Mountain, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, you're climbing this mountain. 
various people help or hinder you on your way. But there's a very positive tone to the game. It's like uh, all of the threats seem to be... I mean, like even the climbing of the mountain itself, it's a daunting task. But, you know, your character has just chosen to do this because they can. And you see things in the world or, or occasionally get taunted in a in a way that's meant to discourage you but the game itself is like again like as i said positive in this attitude and uh leading you on uh in a good-natured way which seems to be feeding into a narrative about dealing with personal struggles and uh you know facing different obstacles in life and possibly how you choose to overcome these obstacles, you know, if you overcome them at all. Uh, again, I'm I'm only like, you know, a bit of the way into this game, but I'm really intrigued already that they've managed to to sort of integrate this cute but quite mel quite well-measured sort of writing with what's a really tough mechanically uh very designed platformer. And one of the things that seems like a mechanical benefit but actually i think maybe plays into the theming is you have an assist mode in the game and the assist mode is incredibly fleshed out you could effectively uh turn on what amounts to a god mode and uh just you can i mean you can basically have unlimited double jumps uh if you want or set the number of double jumps you'd like um oh, wow. yeah you can you can adjust the uh the speed of the game uh so if you're finding it too fast you can you can adjust that. So I feel it has this sort of sense of like, hey, if you need help to get through this, uh, you know, we can help you as much as you want or as much as you don't want. And and something about that, again, feels good natured and positive in, in a way that, that is encouraging. So although it can be a frustrating platformer, I mean, mechanically, it's a bit like Super Meat Boy in places. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen some videos of it. And yeah. When people said that we need to cover it, I kind of wanted to cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wondered because uh, I've, I've actually played like most of the way through Super Meat Boy, which surprised me because uh, I think I've said on the show before, I'm not the biggest fan of, I mean, I appreciate difficult platformers. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of them. Occasionally one of them will grab me and I'll play it a lot. You played through Ori, didn't you? Uh, I did. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, Ori has a lot of atmosphere and theme to take you through, but it is also super hard. And, and that's another game that feels like it's got the same like very kinetic, momentum-laden mm. movement system like Super Meat Boy. Whereas I, I noped out of um, Guacamelee pretty fast, but I think it's because the the dimension switching was a bit too janky and frustrating for me yeah um so that's an interesting thing i mean since we're going to cover it more in detail uh in the future i don't want to go too far in the game itself um i mean well the main character's movement mechanics are a jump uh, uh you can cling to walls that don't have spikes on them uh and you can do one air dash um and then when you land you know your air dash recharges mm -hmm. Uh, the way that they layer on mechanics over the course of the game is by adding things to the level. So you might have switches that trigger uh, platforms. Or uh, one of the early mechanics that really changes things up is, although you can only dash in midair once, if you hit a diamond in midair, it recharges your dash. Okay. So you can end up like you know using a, a series of diamonds to like chain dashes so you don't touch the ground. Um, and that, that's just one of the mechanics they add. They add other things through the level. So you never need to learn more controls. You never need to learn, um, you know, sort of like more movement systems. You learn how to use different things in the environment. 
Um, there are even boss battle type stages where you're pursued by enemies and you know you have to work out how to how to evade them. It's again, yeah, it it, it has been frustrating in moments, but just the fact that there's variation, you know, a lot of variation in the environment, that there's narrative to look forward to, it feels like a different experience from something to Super Meat Boy uh, for me. And uh, and also knowing that the assist mode is there, I mean, this is you know every everything that's making you know about the game that makes me think, which I think is quite intentional on behalf of the creators. I see the challenge, you know, I, I know that I can opt out of the level of a challenge anytime I want, and it actually encourages me to go further in the game. Mm. Uh, and I know that I always can see the end of this game if I want to. It's not walled away from me. And I really appreciate that. You know, it feels like a very positive gesture. Mm. So um, I'm, I'm sure I'll finish this game. Uh, whether I'll finish it without using assist mode, who knows? But, uh, you know, already it's... it's um, really intriguing so uh i i would actually recommend it rob and like you know mm -hmm. even if it means like turning on multiple double jumps or because it's it's a, a fun sense of movement so being able to defeat some of those challenges at some i mean i want to try the assist mode as well just to see what it feels like to to not be not be held back by you know normal rules of platforming in these levels i yeah mm -hmm. I, I it seems like an interesting game mm. Well, I mean, I, I saw a review today that said that it was made by SJW Feminazi Cucks, so... Okay, well... Um, I don't think I'll be playing that. Some of my best friends are SJW Feminazi Cucks. <laughs> Present company included. Hmm. Um, I have been playing... Uh, I've been playing another game that is made by SJW Feminazi Cucks that came out the same week as Celeste, uh, and that is uh, Iconoclast, the new game from Joachim Sandberg. Uh, creator of the Noitu Love duology, mm -hmm. which were uh, a very solid pair of um, kind of treasure-inspired uh, shooters for PC. I think they came to Wii U in the end as well. Did they? At a very, very late stage. I have a recollection of playing those games with a mouse. Yeah. So I'm wondering how they work with a controller. I wonder, I wonder. Mm -hmm. um, those were cool games that were around um, and... Um, Joachim has spent the past seven years working on Iconoclasts, which is his sort of uh, masterwork Metroidvania uh, take on Metroidvania, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, so is it is it uh, RPG um, influenced, like like Castlevania? Uh, it, like no, not really. Okay, there, there's not an experience progression system, mm. but like you can. You know, you find items in chests and then, you know, use them to produce power-ups. Uh, I've A comparison that I would make is Monster World 4. Uh, okay. And um, the creator has also said that was a big inspiration to him. Um, it is very much kind of that Wonder Boy style of progression of, you know, you, you, find, you find your new verbs. Um, and uh, I don't... Yeah, you're, I don't think your health bar gets any longer, but you can craft little items that, you know, you equip and it gives you... It gives you a hit, mm -hmm. uh, a, a free hit. Um, but what, what's what I think super interesting about Iconoclasts and what I didn't expect is um, its setting is incredibly fleshed out. Okay, um, for a game of this type, um, this is a this is a world that is um, it's ruled by this like bizarre um, religious theocracy mm. where. Um, people with skill like you're not allowed to have a skill 
if you're not using it uh, to serve the government and their agenda. Hmm. So um, your character... Sounds um, like socialism. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So thank God uh, I didn't vote for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I couldn't vote for Bernie Sanders. I did. Okay. <laughs> um, so your your character, whose name I can't remember, you're like a secret uh, a secret mechanic. Um, mm-hmm. So you can fix things, but people aren't supposed to know that. And then like the secret police comes looking for you at one point because you're, you know, like fixing people's houses and stuff without, um, you know, instead of, uh, you know, fixing tanks. Mm-hmm. so um then like the houses that you fix um like some grim stuff happens like some people's houses get bombed okay and, uh families die mm. and uh uh you get carted off on a prison train um whoa okay that's that's bleak busted out and you join up with some pirates mm. um but uh it seems like there's there's very much this um i don't know i think i i think there's there, there's a message of um smashing the patriarchy in mm. this game. I mean, one of the main antagonists that I'm facing at the moment is is another lady, but... Um, so you play a lady in this game. You play a lady, and um, you get these party members who are also ladies who... So you can swap characters? Uh, only during boss battles. Okay. Um, I would have liked it if you could swap characters um, anytime, but um, there will there's a number of boss battles where like your characters are segregated to different sides of the screen. And mm-hmm. then you have to like swap between them to carry out actions to like to allow the player on the other side of the screen to hit the boss when it's vulnerable and vice versa. That's an interesting sounding mechanic. Some really cool bosses in this game. Yeah, yeah, lots of, like big, beautiful sprite art robots who oh, okay. fire lasers on you. And, yeah, and you know you'll have to like use the mechanic, uh, use your mechanic character to like use her wrench to twist its. Uh, 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 twists some screws on its neck so it goes haywire and mm. then uh, freaks out and then you know you'll switch to the character who's got a sniper rifle mm. and uh, fire on it while it's uh, got its mouth open. Really cool stuff like that is happening. Like that is going on. Um, I'm still pretty early on. I'm surprised with how big this is as well. Like um, I played it for about an hour and then the map said that I'd cleared about thirty two percent of it and I was like, oh well. I mean, I guess. I would expect this to be pretty small and then like and then i got carted off somewhere else and then was like in a whole new area okay where the the map was zero and i've been to about four different areas now Mm. and it's i'm it doesn't look like i'm anywhere near the end i'm hearing that the playtime on this is like anywhere from 12 to 20 hours for yeah. the average playthrough so and i would be satisfied with that yeah oh yeah i don't i don't need that much time in the metroidvania mm-hmm. to to feel like it's i mean you know if anything that might be a bit much but yeah uh, yeah uh i'm enjoying it a lot so far um i've unlocked some more verbs like you've you've got a gun that can fire a range of different bullets uh for different situations like you know there's bombs to blow away uh landslides or uh, just a regular regular shot to take down enemies in front of you. Um, you've got a ground pound, and you've got this wrench, uh, which you can use to deflect enemy projectiles. Um, I've just got an upgrade for my wrench, where if I spin it around a bunch, it uh, has uh, it exudes electrical power, and then I can use that to power uh, power different switches. Mm-hmm. It's it's this sounds really like kind of like uh, well, I like the diversity of mechanics you're talking about. It's cool and clever. And yeah, there's, there's these little like puzzle encounters where you need to. Uh, a lot of the bosses start as puzzle encounters until you figure out what you need to do, mm. which is 
which is very fun. And I recommend uh, like listeners to check out some of the art from this game because it definitely has a, great. a really like kind of like uh, cute, appealing pixel art style. Yeah, I think if you like Noidu Love, which I think was a beautiful game. Yeah, it really you'll, was. You get a lot out of this. Yeah, and and the the good thing about this as well is like I thought that Noidu Love games were awesome. But felt a bit like kind of well, they were like a very refined single mechanic, and mm-hmm. um, I wish there was more of those games. And sounds like there's a lot to this game. There's so. a lot going on here. Yeah, there's, there's there's a lot to do and a lot of ways to do it. It's yeah. a it's a great time between games like this and you think about stuff like Owlboy that we're finally hitting the stride of like indie development where a lot of long-term projects are coming to fruition. Owlboy is a very good comparison. I get a lot of Owlboy. Owlboy vibes out of Iconoclast. Mm. It's um, just got that that lovely feel of uh, of like a lost sixteen bit game. Yeah, that um, isn't just aping those mechanics. It's mm-hmm. actively doing something new, um, but you know looks the part. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to to playing this one, possibly on my on my Vita for uh, mm. you know more travel gaming. Although yeah, um, cross yeah. buy and not cross save between PS4 and Vita for some reason, I guess like no by no choice of the developer. So I'm, I'm sure not that fault yeah. them too much, but it's mm. just like I was, I was like, oh man, mm. <laughs> and then like I, I started a new game on my Vita just to see what that was like, and then it messed up my trophy list and like it cleared my trophies and acted like I'd never played the game before, and then. Like I fired it up again on PS4 and got a trophy, and they all came back. But like, beware if mm. you're if you're going for both platforms, maybe just pick one. And, yeah, and stick with it. Maybe there's a maybe there's a problem with a PSN or something. It, it, you know, it may not be the developer's responsibility at all. Yeah, I, I can imagine that it, Sony probably aren't too keen on um, <laughs> spending too much time trying to figure out what to how to make it work on how to make the save work on Vita. Oh yeah, for sure. So, hmm. It's only. Only certain weirdos who hmm. were still playing their Vita. Hey, it's <laughs> still a yeah, still a, a lively platform. Yeah, mm-hmm. visual novels. <laughs> yeah. uh, so speaking of um, sort of retro, speaking of visual novels. Uh, no, no, no. no I, I am. I'm rarely speaking of visual novels. Um, speaking of uh, retro styled games, uh, I just recalled a game I put a bunch of time into uh, a few weeks ago. I haven't had a chance to talk about. Uh, might as well bring it up now. It is Full Metal Furies. Oh yeah, the new game from um, those guys. Yeah, those, those guys. guys. What did they make? They made a game that I liked. <laughs> I can't remember what that game is. Oh, uh, what did they make? I know. Well, I know who it is. We'll cut this out. Because I, I bought Full Metal Furies on, partly on the strength of their their, their um, reputation. Oh yeah, they made "Don't Shit Your Pants." No, it's um, <laughs> it's Cellar Door. Who made Rogue Legacy? They made Rogue Legacy, which I loved. They um, also made "Don't Shit Your Pants," which mm-hmm. I loved. So it's you know, amazing that they made that. Uh, it really <laughs> is. Um, Cellar Door Games. Um, so we're all about good-natured feminism today, uh, like as we were speaking earlier, and um, this game has a lot of castle crashes in its sort of. Well, initial kind of feel and aesthetic, but leaning to a more kind of happier, friendly uh, sort of style, and not in a sort of not in a in a in a like let's hug everyone kind of friendly way, because it is about a retelling of uh, the Greek myth of the Furies, but they're depicted in a sort of cartoony, side-scrolling brawler sort of style. 
so it's not a solidly pixelated uh, art style. It's it's got some like drawn elements, which is which makes it a little bit, you know, which makes it seem a bit incongruous at first. But actually, the style overall holds together. Uh, in comparing it to Castle Crashers, what I find different is it doesn't feel very mean spirited. There's like a minotaur you uh, you fight in the beginning, mm. and uh, they do all these goofy minotaur jokes, and the minotaur's kind of cute. And nobody's like kind of, you know, really being shat on as they were sometimes literally in Castle Crashers. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's again, like I was saying about Celeste, although in a much different tone, there's a good natured feel to this game. The art style um, also reminds me of uh, certain comic books like Lumberjanes or Power Up. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, so it's got that cute sort of style. Um, where the characters look a bit like kids, um, but you know they've got different. Like one, one of them's a sniper who has like a like a big raincoat and a hood. You've got like a the fighter character who's got an eye patch, and they're the Furies, so they're all ladies. Um, there's you know good-natured banter between them. The interesting that sounds pretty rare, actually. Uh, yeah, it's 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 really cool. Um, aside from just the fun of the atmosphere of the game. It plays a bit more complicated than you'd expect a brawler to, because you have different powers that you can unlock through experience that you gain by completing levels. Instead of it just being plain old, plain old uh, button combinations as you get in a brawler, there are powers with cooldowns. I mean, you move around the world and fight as you would in a brawler, but your different powers work with cooldowns. So you've you've it becomes like a cross between a brawler and an action RPG, hmm. uh, which I think lets them add a bit more depth and variety to your powers and makes gameplay a bit more tactical than it would be if it was just a brawler. Mm -hmm. It also um, means that the character types can vary a great deal. So you've got a standard fighter, you've got a tank, um, but then you also have a character who's a sniper. Um, and the sniper character mostly attacks from range. Use your second stick to aim, which can be a little bit tricky with the second stick, but that's kind of the point because you can do a lot of damage from range. But you have, again, with those cooldowns, you've got like a reload time on your sniper rifle. Um, you can lay mines to keep people away from you. Uh, you have color-coded enemies that different characters need... Well, that they have shields that different characters uh, can take down. So sometimes your co-op partner will have to take the shields down enemies that you want to de defeat and vice versa so it creates this atmosphere of co-op in the game um if you're playing single player you play as one character that's swappable between two classes uh so yeah it's uh so far it's been like a really interesting game i, I like the writing um they've got interesting challenge levels with like um with like mazes with traps in them and like you know a variety of ways of mixing up the gameplay uh I've really enjoyed it. this game in co-op. I haven't tried it much in single player, but uh, I'd say it's it's brawlers. Two D brawlers seem like a bit of a stale genre sometimes. I mean, you know, they're the kind of game. You know, we play them a fair bit sometimes in co-op, but usually yeah. it's like you know you've had a few beers and you want to walk through some content kind of game. Mm -hmm. This is much more considered than that, but is a def is definitely a satisfying challenge with like you know more actual gameplay to uh to engage with so uh having a lot of fun so far cool mm -hmm. cool yeah that's great <laughs> <laughs> what else you got rob 
Uh, I've only got one more this week. Um, I have uh, I've returned to Zvi, the Ilvard Insurrection, mm-hmm. uh, which is a re-release. The uh, Illistvard. That's the one. Yeah. Um, this is a uh, uh, fi- uh, a long-awaited localization of a uh, 2009 uh, Falcon PC game uh, about uh, Ragna the pilot and Alwyn the vampire princess. Uh, of course, on a uh, on a little quest together, it feels a little Disgaea esque mm. in terms of uh, writing, um, but um, they're uh, so, so wait, there's pedophilia. <laughs> no, oh, okay, you no. said it was Disgaea esque. <laughs> <laughs> like those games, <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, without the distasteful parts, more okay. like you know, when I say Disgaea esque, I mean like you've become you're you're. You're a wide-eyed adventurer boy, and you've become under the thrall of a vampire princess to uh, beat up a bunch of other monsters to get her evil castle back. Mm-hmm. Which I, I that kind of reminds me of like a Nipponichi kind of story. Oh yeah, sure. But, yeah, I mean she's not in a leather bikini; she's mm-hmm. uh, dressed as a gothic Lolita. So, <laughs> so yeah, different. a different kind of pedophilia. Um, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> completely off here. Yeah, sorry. Um... I like this game a lot. Yeah. Um, I've been playing Tokyo Xanadu for a review, mm. which is a terrible game. Uh, Tokyo Xanadu is... It's as if they took the framework of Zvi and put it in uh, the Trails of Cold Steel engine, which is not an engine for action RPGs, uh, and just called it a day. But uh, Zvi is a real joy. Mm. Um, it's... Uh, I... Hmm. How would I describe it? Like, I'd be a little bit hard pressed to call it Diablo esque because, like, the only loot that you're really getting is food. And okay. boy, oh boy, are you getting food! You're a hungry boy in this hmm. game. Um, so you play as Ragna and Alwyn together, and you swap between them at the touch of a button. Uh, Ragna ha- is your melee fighter. He's got this weapon called an anchor gear, mm-hmm. which is like this extending anchor claw, which uh, you can upgrade with different abilities. At the moment, I've got uh, an ability that allows me to uh, grab and throw monsters. Oh, cool. Which also functions as, like, um, puzzle solving. It allows me to grab blocks and move them out of the way. Um, At the moment, I'm going through a forest dungeon where I have to grab big mushrooms and put them on, um, like, I don't know, like a mushroom alcove. <laughs> I mean, where to, else like, to trigger doors? I mean, where else do you put your mushrooms, right? It's in Mushroom Alcove. Whereas um, Alwyn has like a recharging spell meter, and she's got a range of different um, elemental spells, and you you know fire them off like a bit like a. Um, I guess like the closest comparison would be in like E's Origin, mm. how um, Unica is your melee fighter, and Yugo has um, has the spells to make it feel a bit more like a. a shooter mm. um but this would be like if they put those two characters together and, okay and, and allowed you to swap between them did you did do any of the powers uh, have traversal effects uh eventually they will oh, i mean cool. i played a little bit of this at e3 and yeah. i had an anchor gear that like turned into a jet and wow let me like zoom all over the dungeon and fly over fly over areas that i couldn't get to before um uh, each new uh spell that i get of alwyn's um it um Free, this is a game that wants you to go back to old dungeons, but like whereas Tokyo Xanadu forced you to, um, and it wasn't fun. This, I think, this is pretty much optional every time. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm having a pretty good time with it. Like if, if I, if I, let's say for example, I just got Alwyn's um, ice ice spell, 
and in the dungeon before that, I remember that there was a uh, an entire arm of the dungeon that was blocked off by these burning pillars. So mm. I can go back and I can freeze these pillars to make them shatter and then go into like this next course and uh, find what cool treasures lie within I, th- this is all sounding quite like uh like a Zel- like quite zelda like as well uh yeah i mean it's not too puzzly mm. um it's very it's very much about like you know beating all the baddies and getting a good combo and doing it in a, in a timely manner mm-hmm. um so i mean there is like a bit, little bit of a zelda-esque adi- um, aspect there but it, it's it's very much just like combat encounters rather than like a a very thoughtfully designed dungeon, hmm. um, but it's still it's still a hell of a lot of fun. Um, I think I talked a little bit about the food mechanic in our E three catch up, mm-hmm. where uh, you gain experience in this game from eating food, which also restores your health. Hmm. So, like, you can just do like a challenge run if you want and try to beat it at level one, which is apparently doable, but not uh, easy task by any means. Hmm. Or you can, you know, chow down on uh, some pieces of cheese to uh, restore your health and and get a level up. Or you can collect ten pieces of cheese and trade it in for a pizza, which gives you much more exp and health. Hmm. So um, I've been I've been running around dungeons collecting food, uh, going back and changing that for more food, and uh, that's that's a fun way of doing things. It, it does sound kind of kind of cool. It reminds me of uh, I think I probably said this when you first brought this mechanic up, but it does remind me of vanillaware stuff. Yeah, to some extent. Yeah. Which is cool. To a degree. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like getting stuck in a boss battle against a boss is a little bit too tough for me. And then like eating a pizza and getting all my health back and a level up and then kicking his ass. Mm. is um, It's quite a feeling. Cool. So, um, I mean, the story is nothing to write home about, but I mean, I'm finding it a lot less offensive than I am Tokyo Xanadu. And uh, when, you know, when I say offensive, I just mean that that game is so fucking unremarkable on every Mm. level and it just wastes your time for hours and hours and hours whereas this it's just like there's some goofy stuff happening you can pay attention if you want to but you don't have to and you can just you know go on and and beat some dungeons or or run through some dungeons again and just Mm. have just have a good old time yeah i I think i think your uh reaction to tokyo xanadu was more that it had the trappings of a story but actually contained nothing or something like that i'm at the final dungeon nothing has happened yeah nothing has happened in this game until like the last hour and now it seems like it's going to go on for more hours because the final dungeon has dungeons on top of dungeons inside of it Mm. but yeah um there's been no antagonist there's been oh wow nothing of note mm. um it sucks it really fucking sucks maybe it'll turn out at the end your real the real antagonist was time yeah probably <laughs> which was against you all along you know this it doesn't even take place in tokyo really yeah okay does it have olivia newton john in it i wish it did <laughs> yeah you know xanadu next was so good mm. and xanadu by olivia newton john is also good hmm and this is the wor- so you're saying this is the worst thing called Xanadu? Um, maybe. Okay. <laughs> You've heard it here, folks. <laughs> Definitive judgment. Uh, sorry about those jokes earlier as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Zvi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really recommend it. Um, and the prequel has just been re has just been released at a um, slightly lower uh, rate. What's the prequel called? Uh, Zvi the Argus Adventure. Okay. Whereas okay. this game was called Zvi 2 in Japan, which I think is a great name. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, here I was thinking the prequel was going to be called like Ein or something like that. No, yeah. the, yeah, the original game was Zvi and okay. then it was Zvi 2. Mm. But um, they've released them out of order, but it's nice that we've gotten both. Mm-hmm. Um, I still haven't played the original game yet, but mm. I'm hoping to get to that soon. 
Uh, yeah, and um, I think I said before uh, when, when you mentioned this game initially as well, it reminded me of Gurumin on, on the mm-hmm. yeah. on, to look at it. Uh, from what I understand, largely same team. Mm. Um, it controls a little bit differently. Um, I think Gurumin feels a little uh, chunky in places, mm-hmm. and I think Zvai feels um, a, a bit more refined. Yeah, I mean, but, but, I guess by virtue of it coming out five years after. Yeah, and on the plat- uh, the platform that uh, Gurumin came out on was very limiting as well. So yeah, mm, well, Gurumin was originally on PC. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. Okay, it's on Steam now in English. Oh, so uh, hmm. if you want to give that another go, but uh, it was uh, I like that game a lot, but it was not. It was kind of ill suited to PSP. Yeah, I was like, wow, it's cool to. Yeah, I, I guess my reaction at the time was like, it's cool to have this sort of game on PSP, and I rushed yeah. out to get it because I was like, I think it was to my recollection the first of that kind of game, especially mm-hmm. with po- polygonal graphics on the PSP. And then when I did get it, I was like, okay, it feels like they've squashed it to fit here somehow. Mm, yeah. So yeah, it's Vi games. Both of them came out on PSP as well, oh. but uh, not not here okay so um but yeah it, it's great to be able to play them so thanks xc you did good hmm. uh well i guess uh keeping in line with the earlier mention of games with feminism in them uh i'm going to talk about uh bayonetta 2 on the switch uh not really a game with feminism in it um, well, depending on how, depending on your interpretation, it may or may not have feminism in it. Yeah, well, it's got a lady in it. That's that's for sure. I mean, like, although, well, I mean, she's humanoid There's, at least. There, <laughs> there, there is a big debate out there on whether whether uh, Bayonetta can be considered feminist or not, and I uh, think uh, I think it, it, the answer lies with you. I don't think there's a, r- a right or wrong answer to this. Yeah, oh, oh, definitely. I mean, well, there are certainly feminist readings to be had of yeah. of, of various games, and uh, Bayonetta two enjoying mainly because well i've actually wanted to replay it recently but that would involve hooking up my wii u again Mm -hmm. and since i've been kind of uh inclined to do more portable gaming lately i've uh yeah well it's it's pretty brilliant that it's now out on switch which is my primary platform right now so Hmm. so i get to get to go back into this game and play it on the tube or you know like i said all the other places one place one switch Mm -hmm. um Speaking about seeing a game like this on Switch for a moment, it is still an impressive thing to me, anyway, to see some of the really grand, like, melodramatic moments in this game. There's some pretty amazing set pieces. Yeah, I- I'd forgotten what the intro sequence of this game was like. Isn't that like the jumping from jet to jet? Yeah, is that right? yeah, yeah, it is. Like, like I-, I love the Christmas shopping that takes place before that as well. <laughs> Um, and uh, they really make uh, I forgot Enzo that's it the character Enzo uh, who says forget about it way too many times I kind of um, like him yeah I, I do like him I like all the side characters in yeah. this game actually oh, oh the um, I can't remember the name of the dude the demon dude who runs the uh, the bar and yeah. sells you weapons he's he's pretty cool um, so yeah it's, it's a Bayonetta game it's on Switch there are technical improvements. Apparently, it runs much closer to a solid 60 frames a second, whereas before, it would sometimes drop into the 40s. This was not a problem for me ever, but I can understand some people who play it at a very high level might notice that kind of thing. Um, playing it on normal, it's not that hard a game, actually, mm. I find. You know, it's always like kind of like dodge... Do a combo, dodge, do a combo. It's one of those games with a really deep combat system that you don't really need to engage with. Hmm. That's that's something I find that, that people often neglect to mention. Yeah, you can 
get all these different weapons and you can have only all these different permutations of what weapons on your hands what weapons on your feet um you know what combination thereof um that will you know will, which will enable different combos but really all you need to to know is when to be in the right position uh when to dodge out of the way and then what the most damaging combo generally is and yeah unless you're trying to play it at a super high level which is really satisfying you don't have to to perform any of that trickery you can do the same sequence of button presses you can just dodge out of the way which is why these games offer simplified controls like the first bayonetta has one-handed mode um this and the wii u version have a touchscreen control mode if you're really lazy um so you can just watch the game i can imagine it become really boring though if you didn't feel kind of pushed and and i like getting the different weapons just for the sake of of feeling like you know I, i'm experimenting and sort of knowing that even if i fail at my experimentation i can just fall fall back on my like you know good old standby combos um yeah the character of bayonetta i mean that's an inter interesting one mm -hmm. i think i yeah as as you've mentioned it's been discussed elsewhere i tend to think that yeah you you can you can see her as an empowered character as a uh you know as like a feminist icon if you like she's still a sexy lady created by a dude yeah that's that's the issue i have with it i mean i i i can't help but feel there is you know a problematic aspect to the whole male gaze mm -hmm. as applied to the creators of bayonetta mm -hmm. to bayonetta um bayonetta like i'll never see you know it's, it's fun in the moment to be like yeah it's you know bayonetta is this powerful character she's unstoppable and like as an aspirational you know female well as, as, you know that's going a bit far yeah i wouldn't say aspirational <laughs> i don't you know I, I don't want to be a superpowered dominatrix well actually i do um, but but it's yeah i wouldn't say aspirational. And, and also i mean i don't think she's a great person but that's <laughs> kind of a shithead yeah, yeah she's just like always mean to everyone all the time and just makes fun of people you know it's like generally she destroys stuff that's bad but like um, going back to yeah. um <laughs> going back to niponichi pedophile games i mm. mean the same can be said of uh of the heroines of the disgaea games oh yeah i think bayonetta is infinitely more likable than them oh sure I mean, she's still like selfish and terrible but mm. um I don't know. I think some some care has gone into. It's pretty lighthearted. Mm -hmm. You um, mean Bayonetta or Nippon? Because I think the Nipponichi is as well, but I think there's also more of like a squealing performative fe femininity of like being a shrill princess. Oh yeah, I I, I do. I think... don't know what point I'm trying to make here. I, I well, pretty... I think it's an interesting comparison of, the, of well, I think it's an interesting comparison of those those particular tropes that we see in in Japanese games in particular. And I do think that the Nippon Ichi games, what they have in their favor is they're often very self-aware. Mm -hmm. And like the characters yeah. even call out the specific tropes. Whereas Bayonetta is a bit more sort of earnest about that stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd, but it is also... I think Bayonetta... It is fucking ridiculous. Like, yeah. When she's like, give me more guns and like, give me a lollipop. Yeah. It's... Just, it's, it's, it's it knows what it's doing. Uh, it, right? I, th I have never been sure... <laughs> exactly how she's, much she's got that special move where she like does the break dance and then like looks at the camera and winks and there's like a shutter yeah but but you know some people i mean i wonder doesn't hideki kamiya find it hot though i mean like he, you know i think he probably does yeah, yeah but 
also Hideki Kami has obviously got a sense of humor. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like you know, the other games that he's made, they've all had the element of self mockery. So uh-huh. you can see that. I yeah, I. I, I like. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving it more credit because we rarely see an empowered female character in a Japanese game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that someone made an interesting point elsewhere. Uh, I can't remember what podcast this was, so apologies. That uh, one of the things about sexualized female characters in Japanese games or anime is the more sexualized they are, the less likely you will ever see them to actually sexually engage with anyone in any way so if you think about it yeah. bayonetta is a impossibly sexualized character who has no real physical involvement with anyone of any kind yeah which, she's which is a pretty asexual being yeah which is you know this weird dichotomy and in that's some sorry that's a good point yeah and in some ways you know you're it's more objectifying because you've created this this uh figure and then sort of like erased their impact or interaction hmm. um but when it comes down to it the kind of game the bayonetta is makes it very easy for me to extract you know what i like about the game from what might be less savory about it because it's a very simple game the 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 it's not Oni Chanbara. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's like I, I think the the Bayonetta games have very little to say about anything, even themselves. Yeah, that's really. right. So, so I mean, like, yeah, and comparing them to the Nipponichi games, which are full of dialogue, Bayonetta games have loads of cutscenes and story. And I really couldn't care less about them. Yeah, I, I remember how much. It's one of the only games. The first Bayonetta was one of the only games at the time where I skipped so much dialogue and cutscenes. It was like normally I will watch even the bad dialogue and cutscenes yeah. in games just so I know I don't want to miss a bit of authorial intent there I'm really not interested at yeah. all in the Bayonetta games and I, I you know I kind of wish that I was but yeah well really I wish that they just did a better job with that mm. I mean I, I I I will watch the cutscenes when it's like you know the aforementioned jumping from jet to jet yeah. a church falling apart and you're fighting within a falling apart church yeah. or, or or that kind of things you know you're everyone's that everyone's got an exploding dragon and five motorcycles that sort of thing i'm totally there and, and like yeah and, and when they're slapstick i'm there as well but the the words that string all that together I, I know there's consistency i know that there is like you know a lore that they've built up but it doesn't engage me at all that kind of helps like i said for anything that might be potentially offensive about this game to to just sort of like slide off me um but yeah uh i don't know i mean like i i think i've got some time for bayonetta yeah 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 i mean well i'm not saying i don't love the game because yeah, yeah. i because i do but i, yeah. I just meant like as a character as a character i don't th- well this is the thing i don't think she's a character hmm. i mean you know she's just a um she's a very she's a really snooty mean uh dominatrix witch you know i mean like uh, uh, i've got some time for that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hmm. well i think that says more about me than it does um, character, yeah you know i yeah uh, i mean anyway she's fun to play as i i've i've always liked like that you know i like the uh, so yeah despite despite where it come from they've en- ended up ca- coming up with a design that i i enjoy visually um the out- Bayonetta in different outfits as you get her in Bayonetta 2 
is really something because it's like a weird sexualized drag version of the it's characters the she's dressed. Peach and stuff. Yeah. Or, yeah. Know. Have you not seen the outfits? I, I've seen a few of them. I saw yeah. like the Princess Peach and the uh, Samus. Yeah. And there's a Link one as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's sexy Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. But... Which is exactly what Bayonetta is already. Yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> but it's taken to it to like an absurd extreme. Uh, so yeah, going back to that, that, yeah, you know, it may, she may be a product of the male gaze, but it is taken to such an absurd extreme that, it is. Uh, that, uh, yeah, even though let's not get away from the, the origin point, but it is still like kind of, I guess in a way it's like, like a drag performance. It's mm-hmm. like a mockery of, of like, you know, gender-based tropes. So that I can get behind. I always saw it as a mockery. Mm. as a thing. Um, I mean, yeah, her le- she's like 70% leg or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to tell with Japanese developers. It really but, is. Um, I, I always got the impression that they knew what they were doing with Bayonetta and they mm. knew how, frankly how stupid it is yeah um and it's pulled off with such like such straight-faced confidence Mm. um that i think that kind of makes it funnier and makes more of a statement but i mean if that wasn't the authorial intent well then that's probably a bit of a problem but yeah um i that's the way i choose to interpret it and that's why i i have a lot of fun with it and in a way that i wouldn't have fun with oh god i don't know um was it like that recent Fatal Frame game where you could put the girls in underwear? I haven't uh, yeah. kept up with Fatal Frame since two. So mm-hmm. yeah, well, you haven't missed much. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but but to to take your point, I think that uh, the reading of Bayonetta kind of supersedes whatever intent there may have been, which is kind of like been obscure yeah, from the from the start. Anyway, yeah, I, th- I it's yeah, I guess it, it means whatever you want it to mean. Mm-hmm like a lot of art <laughs> there's a little bayonetta in all of us mm-hmm. yeah just screaming to get out yeah let her out yeah otherwise she'll like combo her way out of your chest <laughs> that's horrifying <laughs> it is uh, uh that that's that's all i've uh, got prepared to talk about this week and i think that's it this week then mm. well i think we've done it uh it looks like we have it's it's good to be back folks uh like apologies for my departure i'm gonna attempt to be around uh more in future that makes two of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be back in two weeks' time. We're going to be talking about Demon Souls uh, as uh, the servers have just uh, finally gone bye-bye for that game after mm. nine beautiful years. Uh, so um, we're just going to talk a little bit about... It's not going to be a full playthrough because that would need more than one episode and more than two weeks. But uh, we're going to be talking a bit about... Um, it's uh, about the game itself as well as the influence and how how souls became a phenomenon mm-hmm. and our early experience yes sorry and our early experiences with the game yeah mm-hmm. i think you had much, a much earlier experience with it than i did i didn't play it until well after playing dark souls mm. but um i uh, i look forward to us chatting about that so um if you have anything you want to say about demon souls uh, you've got a little bit of time so do write in uh, but you know where to find us, folks. We are on Twitter at Misanthroplay. We're on Facebook at Misanthroplay. And we're on the web at Misanthropop.com. Hmm. And uh, until next time, we'll see ya. We look forward to you hearing us again. 